0: In the last few months of 2017, the Raw Deal podcast was born on level five of the Gabba, where we sat down with a man at the end of his first season in charge of the Brisbane Lions. The club had a new energy about it and there was a great sense of optimism in the air, but none of us had any clue what lay ahead or how quickly the success would come. And now we sit down with that same man six and a half years later, with five final series since then, two heartbreaking semi-finals, two years in the prelims, and the events of September 30 last year that have burned all summer long. It's been an incredible journey so far with nearly every milestone achieved, nearly every hoodoo conquered, and nearly every dream brought into reality, all now except the one that matters most. Welcome to the first ever live edition of the Royal Deal podcast here in Brisbane, coming to you from the Ron Hurley Theatre in Seven Hills. Dom and Mike Whiting here with you to launch season 2024, and uh. Mike, we recorded a live podcast in, uh, in Melbourne in Grand Final Week at the Royal Derby with Jonathan Brown and Ash McGarr, and now it's wonderful to have a live podcast here in Brisbane.
1: We're setting the bar pretty high, aren't we? A couple <laughs> of Premiership players and now the coach. Uh, we're leaving ourselves any wriggle room? Uh,
0: it's hard to go higher than this, isn't it? Well, it is. Well, how about we welcome him back
1: maybe in let's November
0: as the Premiership coach? We'll do that <laughs> later in the year. But for now, let's welcome the beloved coach of the Brisbane Lions, Chris Fagan. Yeah.
2: It's a, bit, it's a bit loud and noisy like the Gabber, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you doing? Fags, thanks, thanks for making time to come and join us. No, it's a pleasure. Nice to be here. Good to see so many people come along. I'll just move the microphone a bit closer to your mouth. Right, there, we there, go. Go. there we go. I'm not That's used to doing these sorts of things.
0: <laughs> well, it's rare, actually. To, I know obviously you're often with Mike Whiting in a, in a press conference. Now you're, you're side by side with him with the microphones in front of both of you. It's a whole new world.
2: It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will, I will say, Fisher's been one of our great supporters since I've, I've been at the club, and uh, other than the one little disagreement we had. You know, <laughs> <laughs> got, what are you, you, what got, are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> well, I did apologise on the way home, didn't I? <laughs> I rang you. I said, oh, mate, I was a bit hot under the collar. Just got beaten by the Bombers by 10 points. We only had to make 10 changes that week for... <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a bit of passion. <laughs> a bit of passion. Yeah. Never I stick anyone. up for my
2: players.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, apart from that, it's been a flawless relationship between um, <laughs> you and Mike Whiting. And actually between you and the raw deal as well, I, I did just mention late 2017, you joined us level five of the Gabba. I think you'd just done a podcast with Brad Sewell a few days earlier and then you came and did one with us and made the comment, has anyone ever done two podcasts before? I yeah, think was your yeah. comment that day. Do you have any memories of, uh, of that that day at
2: all with us? No, not many. <laughs> 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 oh, no, look, it was a long time ago, there's a lot of water has passed under the bridge and there's been a lot of interviews, so uh, I apologise that I don't yeah. remember it, but I don't have any bad memories, so it must have been okay.
0: <laughs> That's not bad then. I mean, in saying that, Faggs, obviously since then, the journey's been pretty incredible. Do you take moments at all, maybe over the summer, to reflect on, on just how far this group has come in, in your run here?
2: Uh, Yeah, you do. You should. Um, You've got to smell the roses every now and then. That's what life's all about. And uh, probably seven years ago when we started, it would have been hard to imagine that we could probably play in five final series and, and, uh, you know, a little bit unlucky not to play in five prelims in a row and uh, got to the grand final last year. It probably seemed impossible seven years ago, but now you know, a premiership feels really possible, so uh, it's been a fantastic uh, journey. It's been, uh, for me, it's been really enjoyable and really fulfilling and and to watch a club go from having not much or hardly any self-esteem and belief to now feeling really good about themselves again and being able to... Get great great crowds to the Gabber and the you know the memberships up over sixty thousand. I think it was about fifteen thousand when I first <laughs> turned up. So um, just all of those things, and to see the club buoyant again, to fill the fill the Gabba up, to feel the excitement and energy of our fans, it's um it's wonderful to have been part of it. And you know I know our players have really enjoyed it. Uh, and the other part is just watching those young men like the McCluggages and Harris Andrews and Eric and all those boys that were 18, 19, and 20 when we first started now in their mid 20s and having really good self-esteem and um, being really good characters, I think in the in the community. So it's uh, lots of be- lots of benefits. You know, we, we want to keep going. Obviously, we we'd like to to win a premiership. There's no doubt about that. But um, it's it's a it's about it's a little bit more than about premierships. I reckon it's about building a good club, a good environment, a safe place where people want to come and work and grow and get better. and I think we've um, been able to do that and we don't take it for granted. We've got to, we've got to keep building it, um, but um, we're on the right pathway.
1: We definitely want to ask you about the grand final and the fallout, but listening to you talk then, can you tell us how this seven years is, how you've changed as a person and how you've changed as a coach? Because it's obviously been a big, big part of your life.
2: Um, yeah, I probably haven't changed much as a person. I've, I've probably changed as a coach. When you first turn up to, a, to, a, to the club and you're trying to learn all about it and, you know, where, where we're at um, mentally and physically, um, um, A, there was a lot to learn, and B, it felt like it was a pretty big job. I, I can sort of remember after about a month thinking, He's maybe I should have stayed at Hawthorne, There's a bit of work to (laughs) there's a bit of work to get through here. Um, (laughs) You know the place was at a pretty low ebb. I've got to say, Um, you know the there wasn't a lot of self belief. Um, There's probably a lot of probably a lot of players that felt a bit ashamed of the way that the team and the club had been performing, and um, you know it was very difficult to even get them to speak in a meeting. for some reason, there was a bit of a fear of speaking up. Um, so, uh, you know, early days, the first couple of years, I I was um, pretty gentle um, with the group. Um, the only time I was ever really hard or critical of them was when maybe the effort wasn't at the level that it should have been. Uh, we didn't we didn't try hard enough. Um, fortunately, that, that those instances were few and far between, but. You know, I had to, I had to get the group to trust me that I wasn't going to turn on them if they put in a bad performance. That I was in, in there with them, and uh, um, was going to ride all the bumps and the waves and all those sorts of things with them. So, early days, I had to work hard to, to build trust with them. Um, one of the ways I did that was my very first meeting. I told them my life story, I showed them pictures of my family, showed them where I came from, told them what I believed in, um, why I coached, what my purpose was, because I wanted to uh, declare myself mm-hmm. early in the piece. I wanted them to know what I stood for and, you know, therefore what I was really doing with that I was – I know it's the buzzword, but I was probably being vulnerable. I didn't know that's what it was, but it was it was that and it was um, it was me saying to them, well, You know what you've got to measure me by now because I told you who I am and I better not be any different to that and uh, that's how I sort of started to build that trust and then you know ever ever so gradually they started to believe in what I what my philosophies were and uh, you know we sort of started it was funny my first two years we won five games and five games but There's a lot of loyal Brisbane supporters in here. The the five wins in my second year were a lot better than the five wins in my first year and we were pretty unlucky. We didn't win 10 or 12 games in that second year. So I knew the improvement was there but we just didn't quite get the Ws Uh, and then suddenly we went too far the next season and won 16 (laughs) and it's like, how did that happen? But it it wasn't as big a jump as it seemed if you were there and you were in it. but once we got that jump and we, we got to a, a level where we we're really competent, that I could coach a little bit differently. I could be a bit firmer. I could be a bit harder. I could be a bit more demanding, because the players started to want what I wanted, and that was for us to be a successful footy club. So um, there's been a been a been a change, and that we're sort of like, you know, trying to fix to, to fix big things, mm. to trying to fix really little things is where we're at now. Um, I also my first few years I had to be like really hands-on I was doing I was pretty much doing everything and had to trying to teach my coaches how I wanted them to coach um, which was which was great I'm not doing that anymore like I really um, hand over a lot of the stuff to the, the assistant coaches now who I who I really trust I've got a great group there and um, I probably spend more of my time now in the personal space with the players building the relationships, having the conversations, uh, making them feel supported, I think that's my strength. Um, uh, I do know a bit about footy and and all that and and I'm okay in the tactical side of things but for me I spend more of my time now um, trying to get the best out of each player. Um, So it's a lot different and they're very self-driven now. Um, Early days took a lot of encouragement and pushing but now it's like... They're really hungry, so it's just making sure we push the energy in the right direction. Um, you know, after the grand final, sometimes when you lose big games like grand finals, you can you can go overboard trying to work out the reasons why you lost, and and in in, in, the, in your efforts to try and improve, you go overboard and you lose the essence of what you are. And I think you, we've seen a few teams over the years, um, get into grand finals, lose them, and then sometimes don't even make the finals the next year because they've turned the place upside down trying to find the answer. Um, So you didn't do an Adelaide-style camp?
0: No.
2: (laughs) I wasn't going to name names. um, Well, that's an example, isn't it, but there are other examples, and, and I know Uh, Even, you know, a couple of clubs I've been at, Melbourne and Hawthorne, I've been involved in losing grand finals and, you know, we nearly did, well, we probably did at Melbourne, went a little bit overboard trying to look for the answers to go that next little bit and, um, all for the good reasons, but it didn't work. We finished, didn't make finals the next year and then the Hawks when we lost in 12 to Sydney, we were on the cusp of sort of, you know, Turning things upside down and resisted the temptation, and then went on to win three in a row. So, I learned a great lesson there that you that um, you know we're not far away, and we just need to find one or two things that we can do better that could help us get there. And not you know I've done all this wonderful work to get to this point. Don't toss it all out. Just find a couple more things to to get you over the line. So that's that's pretty much how we're thinking.
0: You've uh, you've brought the the fans along for the journey the whole way through as well, Fags, And there's so many brilliant memories along the way. I think of uh, 2018, I think it was, Cam Rainer, um snaps against North Melbourne in the last quarter. We don't win the game, we could have if he'd, he'd kicked it and there was that famous shot of you walking off the ground with him arm in arm and then the GWS final at the end of 2019 and even though the, the Lions had lost, you guys walked off the, the ground to the Lions chant ringing out around the Gabba showing the, the support. And then that, that love, I think, from the fan base for you went to a new level at the captain's run before the grand final uh, last year, yeah. when uh, you were cheered for every cone that you put out on the ground <laughs> by
2: 15,000 Lions fans at the MCG. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Oh, It was funny, I was putting the cones out, and I, as I put a cone down, they'd sort of the cheer would get louder and louder, so <laughs> I sort of worked out if i pulled the cone back up, they'd sort of go back a little bit, and I'd put it down again <laughs> Bit of fun with it, but um, that was a really um, yeah, it was a special moment. Um, I didn't realize there were so many people out there, I thought there might be a thousand people turn up to watch us train, and I would have been happy with that. But I reckon there was like more like 10,000 people there, and the roar that went up was phenomenal. And it was one of those moments where I just thought, geez, how far have we come? Yeah. You know, it was it was it was one of those moments. I was almost too emotional, I reckon, and I'm sort of a little bit of emotional about it now, but it, you've, you've sort of sparked that memory and it, and it was, it was like, you no, know, all that hard work's been worth it. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, here we are. We've got a chance. And uh, to have all those people there cheering and, and seeing that it meant so much to them was um, really special. And the players were as shocked as what I was when they ran out and mm. the war went up. Um, you know, it was, it was a pity. It was a captain's run. I, would have, I wish we could have been doing one of our normal training runs, and we could have been there for an hour and a half soaking that in. But it was just short and sweet what we did. But um, nevertheless, a great moment. Um, and even in the, the wake of the grand final and going down to Brunswick Street Oval on the Sunday and a good crowd of people there, and, um, we mixed in with them. And then, then the, the family day at the down at our training facility on the Monday. It was just. Good to see how much joy we'd we'd bought everyone even though we hadn't didn't quite get the job done but um, you know footy means a lot to a lot of people um we know that it's not just about us
1: can we ask you about the grand final then we'll go to the the last quarter i'm sure everyone here tonight and listening mm-hmm. has different emotions when they think of that last quarter what's it like for a coach sitting in the box when his team's behind then his team's in front then his team's behind mm-hmm. like can you take us into the coach's box Late in that match.
2: Yeah, try not to get caught up in the emotion of it all. It's hard not to though, because it's a bloody grand final. So you, (laughs) you know, um, it it was uh, it it was it was a hard game to coach in a way because it was neck and neck all day. There wasn't anything obvious to do with the team to change it up to try and you know usually usually you stick with your plan and you might change it if you start to get beaten up, but it never really happened in the day that. In the game, that we were getting beaten up, and neither were they. So it was a real, a real arm wrestle, and you're just backing in all the things that you'd practiced during the year to try and uh, get up and get get the win. Um, you know, we'll never know, will we? we the, the umpire clearly made a mistake when he mm. paid that advantage, and and we and we don't know what would have happened after that. And, and look, I've got no anger towards that umpire. You couldn't hear a thing at the MCG on, on Grand yeah. Final day. Um, so it would have been tough on them and obviously the crowd wasn't getting even more of a frenzy because the game was coming to an end and there wasn't much in it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got some strategies in place there. Once, once Collingwood um, got in front, I think by 10 points, um, then we had to try and win the game. So we were rolling the dice and we, we were lucky enough to get a goal. and. Um, and uh, then it looked like we we're going to get the next opportunity, but it was sort of taken away, and they were able to get possession, and we couldn't get it back off them. So that was a, a bit frustrating. But you even look at, like, you look at the last quarter, and I think we got in front. Charlie kicked a goal, and we got in front, and then we went straight back to the centre. Uh, Dacos got the ball, handballed it to he kicked a goal from 60 metres. If you've probably watched the replay of that, um, Josh Dunkley was first at the ball and slipped. You know, and I don't slip over on purpose. And you know, he, he canes himself for that moment that he slipped over. But you know, I, I look at it and go, well, maybe if they didn't stick kiss in the middle of the ground before the game started, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the bloody and the, and the bloody boxes they put there for their stage yeah. and made the centre wicket areas um, sweat and all that sort of business, because it was it was a dry as a bone day, but the centre yes. area was was slippery, and. Um, Josh slips, just slips momentarily. Dacos is a beautiful player. Like He picks the ball up. He just does a handball. And, you know, to go, he kicks it from 60. You just go, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> <sighs> and it, it, was, it was a game like that. It was a game full of moments. Uh, it wasn't a game won or lost on strategy. It was just two teams pretty even going at it. And it came down to those, those little things and, you know, that's what you, you, we looked at and, uh, you know, when we reviewed the game, I, I uh, sent the players a text on, it was the Wednesday after the grand final that we, we eventually got to talk about it because there was all these, you know, Monday was the family day and Tuesday was the players let your hair down day and Wednesday was wind it up and have the best and fairest and I uh, sent them a text that morning. I just said, oh, I just want you to have a think about it. Um, you know, moments you'd, you'd like back, um, regrets you might have had from the grand final that will, you know, motivate you going forward. And I want you to be really honest about it because I don't want you walking out of here still thinking about the grand final in three months' time. We want to deal with it today, and you're better off to move towards the things that you're disappointed with and talk about them and get them off your chest. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be no reprisals. We all, we're all human, we make mistakes. We lost the grand final by four points. You know, you can be unlucky, um, and it was it was really good. The pl- as coaches, we'd gone through the quarters and found the the moments that we thought that you know maybe we'd like back, and uh, but we didn't show up first. We talked to the players and um, went around the room. They were so honest. There wasn't you know it, everything that was on the vision they talked about. So you go, well, tick there. They they're not hiding away from anything. These boys. Um, And and that's how we've tried to to develop them and raise them over the last few years or ever since I've started. I've I've been big on a concept called growth mindset and that is, it's simple, (laughs) you just learn from your mistakes and get better. And and I've always talked to them about the idea that we're going to fail our way to the top. Um, And it sounds like a weird concept, but when you're down near the bottom of the ladder and you can't win a game. You got you got to find ways to build confidence, and so we found through our, getting a whole lot of little wins back in those early days. We started to get the big wins, and then we're on our way. And we and we treated the grand final loss no differently than that. Um, you know, if you had your time over, what would you do differently? And uh, they were terribly honest about that. They actually filled in a sheet about what they learned as an individual from the finals and the grand final, and. Um, uh, what things they thought we did well, and I've still got all those sheets, and I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that we can get there again this year. And when we, if we do, I'm going to pull those sheets out, and we'll have a read of those just to remind ourselves of what ex- those experiences were that we got in the grand final, or that will hopefully help us if we can get back there again. Um, but there were so many great things to come out of the season, and, and you know, one of the the concepts is like. Before we played on the, in the grand final, we had three blokes in the team who had played in the grand final, Charlie, Dunks, Lockie. Um, when the grand final was over, we had 23 blokes who had played in the grand final, and you can't beat the experience of playing in them. Um, well, you know, We can be the best coaches in the world and tell them about what it's going to be like, but until you actually do it, it's like, you know, it's like when we were kids, and it's like now when you've got your own kids, you can tell them. What's going to happen? But they don't believe you. They've got to find out for themselves. <laughs> um, so it's a bit. It's a bit like that with with um, with the players. So they're wiser for that experience. And I like you know always a good test of um, a good test of uh, um, of you know how motivated they are to do well as how they return to training in the preseason. What sort of shape that they're in. I would say our players are in the best shape I've ever seen them, and most of it was due to the work that they did before they turned up, because we only had a couple of weeks before Christmas, and then we had another three-week break, and I said, boys, we're playing on March the 8th, so you know I wouldn't relax too much over Christmas, have, have a break with your family, but you're going to need to keep training, and they did, and, we, and we're in really good shape. And um, I'm really proud of the fact that they've, they've turned up in that way, but I think it's a bit, a little bit because we've we handled the loss in the right manner, you know. We didn't get dirty on them and carry on about it. You lose sometimes, you know. Grand finals are hard to win, so uh, learn the lessons and hopefully get, work hard to get back and get another chance because there's no reason why we can't. We were, uh, you know, we'd, Collingwood had nine players over 30, I think, playing in the grand final. Um, we had three. We're a young group and we've got a lot of our blokes just approaching the prime of their careers. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we've treated it in the right manner and judging by the way they've trained, which is all we've got to go by. Um, I think we're in good position. Can I ask you, Fags, about. That was a long the... answer, sorry. <laughs> no, well...
1: <laughs> They're here to hear you talk, not us, mate. So <laughs> okay. You must be
2: asking good questions. That must be you. Um, I'm curious for the
0: week or two after that, for you personally, when you were away from the club, you know, maybe getting ready for bed at the end of the day, how much did the game go through your mind? And Mm. did you have a, I don't know, was Ursula saying at times, stop talking about the game, stop talking about the game, or or were you able to let
2: it go pretty quickly? Oh, look, uh, I'm really good at giving the players advice to let go of things quickly and move (laughs) on. (laughs) (laughs) It haunts you, it haunts you a bit, you know, I'll be honest about that. Like, I'd often wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that bloody free the, the free kick that the umpire <laughs> and about Dunk slipping slipping over and all, you just do like. When you're the coach, it's your life, you eat, sleep and yeah. breathe it and um, you know how hard grand finals are to get to and when you only lose one by that that, that much, you you tend to think about it more than if you get a thrashing because there are, there are so many things that go wrong when you get a thrashing there's not very much goes wrong when you just get beaten and um, so yeah, I, I was, um, yeah, I thought about it a lot and I probably didn't stop, uh, we, we were lucky enough to go overseas um, Early November for a couple of weeks, we um, went to Italy, went to Milan and, and Lake Como, and then to London. And probably there, it was when I got away there. I went to a conference in London. I met up with a few sporting people, but had a, had a good time. And probably it was then when I just sort of, I don't know, move on. Can't, thinking about it, it's not going to make change the result, so uh, I did. But I, but hopefully. You know, me, me too, just we learned some little lessons um, w- with the group. It is hard, like, I'm, I'm not sitting here making excuses, but it is hard when you've got to go and play a team that's played 18 games on the MCG uh, and you've played, the, that's your third game there. You've got to be that much better than them to beat them, I reckon. So, uh, uh, maybe a three or four goal better side to actually get the results. So, we weren't too far away from being that, so we'll keep pursuing it. And it just goes to show you, I reckon, now that I've had the interstate experience of playing in a grand final, which is very, very different to being a Melbourne-based side playing in a, in a grand final. I'll give you that with my time at Hawthorne. Um, there's so many more things to think about when you're the traveling team, um, there's you know a, a lot more just, just so much more to organize and Trying to get all the families down there, and um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that the AFL could do to help. Like for me, I, I'd be happy to go down to Melbourne for the whole week and train on the MCG. I reckon that would give us a better chance to an interstate team, a better chance to to do well on Grand Final day. That's not really much to ask for when you think about it. Um, but um, yeah, lots of lots of reflections. I, I just think. We just need to develop a little bit more versatility in our team. Um, I think our handball skills need to be a little bit better. Um, we've probably been more of a kicking team than a handballing team. and I still want us to be a kicking team, but I want us to handball a little bit more. And uh, So they're the little tweaks that we'll make on the back of what we saw in the grand final. And, and I, and, I, and I talk about the handball stuff because on those bigger grounds like the MCG, you actually do need to run and carry it a little bit more. Um, so,
1: I got one more on you before we move to team and players and
2: um, yeah.
1: and whatnot. You mentioned that you went to a conference uh, when you're in Europe. Can you you you're big on growth mindset? You've mentioned it again here today. Is that part of of you growing? Like what happens at those conferences? Do you yeah. learn off other coaches? What knowledge are you trying to impart? Like, yeah. can you give us an insight into that? Now,
2: they're great things to go to. So, we leaders in performance conference in London. Uh, it's a two-day event. Um, there's people from all over the world there. It's an, all professional sports: NFL, NBA, EPL, um, Olympic sports. Um, often, there's Australian there. R- rugby people were there. Uh, rugby union people there. Just, you know, a lot of lot of famous people in the room I guess you could say and all you're all there for the one purpose and that is to learn and share knowledge um, and I was lucky enough to also go to an event the day before the conference called a think tank which there was about 12 coaches from around the world in different sports so we we had this convener and we just talked about different issues all day so that was a a fantastic experience, and I, I stretched myself even a little bit further this year because I was actually a speaker at the conference, and uh, yeah. you knew about that, did you? I did.
1: But what, you, you <laughs> yeah. tell tell the listeners what that's like. Like that's a that's yeah, Feels yeah. like a big deal. It
2: was it was a bit daunting. Um, I was I was second up on the second day, and I was actually I reckon I was fortunate because I thought the person who talked before me was shocking, so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there's some, there's some chance here that they might enjoy what I've got to say, so... Because I certainly didn't enjoy that, but... Um, well, you, you go to those conferences to get ideas, I reckon, I and mean, that's the thing, you know. You want to walk away with a, some stuff you can try. And <laughs> we didn't get anything out of that talk. It was... <laughs> it was very um, cerebral, that talk, way beyond our capacity to understand in the room, the, the people that were in that room. Um, so I was fortunate my talk was very practical. I'd, I'd told the Brisbane Lions story and i talked about the key principles and, and, and practices that I thought of, had helped us go from where we were seven years ago to, to where we are now and I showed a lot of practical stuff and I, I was even – I was this practical. With our um, meetings the day before a game, I always um, get a, a comedy skit from somewhere. Um, and show the boys we're very we we're very fond got very fond of Carl Barron um, oh, yeah. during the season and um, I thought oh, I'll start my talk like I would start one of my team meetings and show them a Carl Barron joke <laughs> and I wasn't sure whether they'd appreciate Aussie humour um, in the room but I just said look you know we we always have a bit of a joke at the start of one of our meetings. It's, it's more because we want to keep everything in perspective. At the end of the day, all we're doing is playing sport and having fun and trying to entertain people. So uh, you've got to have a few laughs along the way. So I played on the Cole Barron gag. Um, is anyone in here Cole Barron fans? Yeah. Yep. Has anyone seen the one, uh, the joke um, where he talks about how his m- mum gets really excited when she sees his name in the paper or sees him on TV? Yeah, well, he tells that about that how his mum gets excited, right? And she goes, you know, she'll walk in, Carl, Carl, you know, you're on the, you're in the crossword, you were questioning the crossword yesterday, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, Carl, I saw you on TV last night. Yes, mum, I know, I was, I was there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and then, and then there's he goes, oh, Carl, you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. and Carl goes, well, "What do you mean, Mum?" He goes, "You, you're a question on who wants to be a millionaire." <laughs> well, what was the question, Mum? Well, well, the question was, who won the 100 metre sprint in the uh, 1994 Olympics? Was it Carl Barron or was it Carl Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought I'd, I'd um, go with a, I'd go with a, a, a joke that they, all the sporting people in the room would would enjoy, <laughs> and they they did actually enjoy it. It was. Um, a good way to start, I broke the ice and um, got. It's good to push yourself out of your comfort zone sometimes, and sometimes us Australians, we underestimate ourselves what we know about, about the various things that we do, particularly in sport. I think we're really good at it and uh, we're good at coaching. So, um, Greg Swan was there, our CEO. He's pretty happy because we had these, um, these lanyards on, you know, Greg Swan, Brisbane Lions CEO, Fagan, you know, coach, Brisbane Lions. And no-one talked to us on the first day and I get up and did my talk. Swanee was that happy when I got back. He goes, mate, everybody's coming up the table introducing themselves, We're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're world-famous now, so uh, um, it was... Um, yeah, it was good. It was. It's. It's. They're really um, fulfilling things. So, and I'm. I'm really glad I got up and talked. And I, I was pretty nervous. It sort of ruined the pre- the two days leading up to it. I was pretty nervous. Felt like <laughs> we're about to play a game of footy. I was glad I was on early. I relaxed for the rest of the day. But out of getting up and talking, I did make some good connections, and that um, in some way, shape, or form might help the Brisbane Lions down the track.
0: Look, we want to get into the season ahead and talk about a few specific plays in a moment, but um, just to change tone slightly, something we, I think it, it would be um, wrong not to touch on is the shock loss of Nicole Duncan that the club suffered yeah. over the, the summer, which I think uh, the supporter base was sort of stunned someone who's mm-hmm. been so beloved for so long to see that, that news of her passing break through. Can you just talk a little bit about um, Dunks' sure, legacy yeah. of the
2: club? You put up your hands if you know Dunks, if you're aware of who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people in here, you probably wouldn't know, she's worked at the club for 30 years. God, that's a long time to work at a footy club, isn't it? <laughs> 30 years. Um, yeah, it was a shock. Um, she, um, I think she worked up and she was, I remember seeing her before I went on leave, so uh, she worked up until, say, you know, mid to late October. and. Uh, she was always worried about getting um, COVID because she was immune deficient, and um, she'd managed to get this far and not get it. Then she got COVID, and that was sort of like um, sparked a whole lot of things off with her health, which in the end um, ended up in uh, she had a leukemia, and they had the treatment, and it was not going to be any good. So uh, uh, we lost her. Um, it was um, the worst thing about it was, was is that. She was there at the, at the club and then we, we knew she wasn't well and we thought, oh, she'll be in hospital for a while and she'll come back. And then weeks moved into a month and two and then she didn't come back. And um, I think all of us felt like we had a bit of unfinished business with her in that, in that, um, I think we all would have liked to have thanked her. Mm. Yeah. Um, a bit, a bit, a bit more than we we did, you know. Sort of, I said to the, I ran a session with everyone at the club uh, on the, the Monday after she passed away, and because um, I felt like everyone needed to talk about it a bit. And um, the thing I said at the start, if if I want you to think about this, if Dunks walked through that door now, what would you say to her? And uh, I didn't get anyone to to tell us because I didn't want to get upset, but. Um, she was um, a trailblazer for for women in AFL football um, to sort of start when she started and to hold her own in a fairly male-dominated um, environment and industry, which it was when she started back there. Now it's, it's changed. Now There's great. There's lots of females that work in our football department. We've got a female team, but back there in the early days, she she would have done it the hard way. And um, you know, one of the <laughs> One of the words that uh, someone used to describe her, because one exercise I did on that day was go right. Oh, you got to come up with three words to describe Dunks, and we went around the room and talked about some of the words. And someone said, "Scary." <laughs> 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 it was. Uh, it was actually Anthony Corrie who said that, <laughs> and he was bloody right because she was scary. Like, and and she had to be because she was like the gatekeeper on a lot of things. Um, you know. She, she was the person that gave out the tickets and organised the travel and all that. So, someone was always trying to get a few more tickets than they should have, and you know, trying to come back a day late from a, from from a game if I could. And she had to manage all those things, and uh, so she had to be tough and she had to be scary sometimes to to stay on top of it of us. But um, I, I guess the overwhel- the you know, the words that people used that day were you know pro- professional, hardworking. Um, loving, caring. She loved all the players when they'd bring their kids down to the club and she'd have chocolates for them and do all that sort of stuff. But um, her attention to detail um, was second to none. I can't remember her making a mistake. And, and I, you know, I have to say, like, when I look back, I, I sort of fear that grand final week wore her out, the amount of work that she had to, to do to organise the team down I mean, there. I, I can't prove that. but. It's gone through my mind, you know. Um, and she loved she loved game day, and she loved winning more than anyone, I reckon. Even though she didn't show much, but whenever I walked off the ground, we won, we'd have a bit of a hug, and there was always a bit of a moment there because she probably worked harder in the club to put that team out on the field and and get it to perform, even though she wasn't the coach. She's like that story about that the janitor who works at NASA and. You know, someone asked him, "What does he do?" And he goes, "I helped put men on the moon." And you know, Nicole Duncan um, helped our club for thirty years to win games of footy and be the club that we are.
1: I'm sure, in many ways, it might not feel real until you play another game. Perhaps that she's gone and that she's not in that customary game day role.
2: True. Um, you know. She's always there. I, like her desk now, I walk in, I always expect to see her there. And <laughs> nobody's moved anything. It's just still there with all their stuff on it. You know, we don't quite know what to do. I don't know how long we'll leave it there for, but it might stay there for a few years, I reckon. Yeah. Um, I just need someone to fill up the chocolate jar. That's the um... <laughs> anyway. Um, it's um, yes, um, a great servant of our football club, and um, she'll be sorely missed. And I felt a little bit sorry for the. Well, two people have actually taken her place, what she was doing. I felt a little bit sorry for them on the the day that we had the memorial service for her because of all the stories that were told about her, I thought, gee, those people, they're going to feel pretty (laughs) challenged going into that job after this lady's done it so well for 30 years. So I, I rang them on the weekend, those people, just to reassure them that, you know, you, you you put your own mark on this. You're all capable, and don't set the bar high. But I'm pretty confident you're going to be able to, you know, between you reach that. So um, uh, she's left a great legacy, and um, she was so well respected by people in at the AFL, and she was a real connector there, obviously with all the organisational stuff that she did. And um, you know, a lot of people from the AFL actually came up and um, attended the the um, service, and so many of the past players made the effort and you know, Vossie and, and uh, Chris Scott made the effort to fly up, and that's no mean feat because, as I know, coaches are pretty busy, but they weren't going to miss that. So um, she obviously uh, meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah,
0: that's a beautiful tribute. Maybe a round of applause for Don to be <clears throat> very fitting throat> throat> on that note. And, and I think the way you spoke there, Fags, mm. is just a testament to why we all have so much affection for you. The, the, the humanity has always come first in your time in the role, and mm. in a ruthless industry, it doesn't feel like that's a, a given always, that, yeah. that humanity comes first. Do you... Do you? Are you able to articulate where, how, maybe why that, that's been your your first
2: priority the whole way through your career? Oh, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I wasn't like it, but... Um, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Um, I was just raised, to be honest, I suppose, and uh, I, reckon I, I reckon early days when I, when I first started coaching in Brisbane, I probably wasn't like that. I, I was trying to be, I'd do press conferences and things that were in the public eye and I probably, on reflection, I think I was just trying to be this sort of, you know, hard-ass coach. And, um, <laughs> And uh, I don't know why I was, I was 55, not like I was going to change from who I was. But <laughs> um, yeah, I tried to be that for a while and then I just sort of thought, oh, you know, if I'm going to succeed or I'm going to fail in this job, I'm, I'm better off just to do it being me. So um, um, I think I sort of halfway through my second year started to make that, that transition and, and sort of thought, well, in a way, you know, um, people can learn a lot from coaches if they listen you know we can help not just the players that we we coach but also our fans and people who listen in just about how we go about things and you can apply some of those things to your own life so um i sort of have that if i was to say what my purpose was in life it would be to i'm I'm a teacher by trade so uh it's in me to want to help people get better so um that's probably why i am like i am
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's move to this season, Fags, the coming season. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got a running joke on our podcast. Anyone listens will we'll know this, that every pre-season, seemingly, <laughs> Cal Archie starts in the B team. <laughs> and by about round six, when he gets into the team, everyone goes, why wasn't he in earlier? <laughs> Where, where's Cal this pre-season? I saw him start in the B team last weekend, but then he got moved over to the B team. Did I confuse
2: you and put him in the A team you in the second me. half? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, he probably would have been in the A team from the start, but he got uh, concussed to training a few weeks back and missed a few weeks, so he's a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, yeah, no, it's probably true. I don't know why that. It's not intentional. It's just one of those things that's happened. <laughs> and it's only weirdos like you that know <laughs> <those things.
3: laughs>
2: Guilty. <laughs> like who in this world would know that about Kalashi other than you?
1: Pretty big fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just Mike. I'm totally normal over here.
0: Um, so, uh, another thing, speaking of uh, uh, things we've had talking about on the podcast regularly in the last year, has been the two tall vo- forwards versus the three tall forwards yeah. setup. It's probably been the biggest talking point, maybe amongst supporters of the Lions, for strategically over the last year. And it seemed you you were quite keen on the three tall forwards, and the two tall forwards took you to the grand final. Have you wrestled over the summer about
2: which way to go on that front for for this season? Uh, Oh, I'm not really settled on it. Like, and I think sometimes three tall forwards helps you, and sometimes you don't need three tall forwards. So we just got to be pretty good at identifying the days when we do and the days when we don't. I mean, Cam Rayner, the way he plays as a forward, he plays even though he's you know he's what 188. He plays tall because he can jump. And, and even our smaller forwards can jump. Charlie can jump and, and Lincoln can jump, and they're, they're hard match-ups. Um, Kyle Lohman can jump. Zach Bailey wished he could jump.
3: <laughs> 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 and
2: I only say that in the hope that young Zach is listening to this because I love, <laughs> I have this great relationship with him where we just stir each other all the time. You know, so.
1: Dom yeah. hope Zach Bailey's listening to this as well because yeah. he, he's the president of the fan club. But,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, always an open mind. It just depends on, you know, the characters. I know everyone's thinking, oh, Darcy Gardner played up forward last week. <laughs> What's Fag's up to? So I'm, we put, um, we had a little bit of 10 minutes of sort of scenario practice the week before at training and we had Eric Keppert in the back line. There must have been somebody down there watching training because they got on social media and said Fagan's lost the pot. He's put Eric <laughs> up down the <laughs> But it was it was only because we were short of people, so we just it was just a practice and a scenario. But what like, they're all over it. Like I'm thinking, geez, there's been 10 minutes we played for. Um, no, but we're trying to develop some um, flexibility in the team. So you will see Darcy Gardner playing in practice games in the forward line. He, he might play in the back line in round one, but I just want to see what it looks like. And it's on the back of the fact that Darcy said to me a long time ago that when he was a junior, he kicked seven goals in a game. So it sort of stuck in my mind, give him a, let's have a look at him up in the forward line. Um, you know, we're trying, we're we sort of putting young Fletcher half back and half forward and inside just to see what he can do. Um, so yeah, trying to, to build that, um, Diversity um, through the pre-season. You don't get it really any other time to experiment. And for us, pre-seasons used to be about performance because we're trying to get some confidence as a group. Now they're a little bit more about can we find out a bit more about ourselves? Can we develop some players that can play in some other positions? Because you don't know what's going to happen during the year. You might lose some players, or you might lose a player in a game. But if you know you've got a player that can go and uh, play somewhere else, that's a good thing. And I think. If I look at Collingwood, I reckon they were a little bit better than us at that, um, at that sort of thing.
1: Can I just ask you about a couple of yeah, injured guys? We've heard about Tom Duday, ho- hopefully available early in the season. What about uh, Jared Berry and, and Dev Robertson? How, how are they going?
2: Yeah, so We had quite a few um, blokes have surgery um, when the season was over. They're tough buggers, AFL players, and a lot of those blokes are playing in finals and they go and have surgery for some injury that most of us will be whinging and moaning about for weeks, but they uh, um, uh, Barry had to shoulder reconstruction. Uh, it's, it's a four-month four um, back-to-play sort of injury, so he's been running, he's, he's super fit and he's been able to join in all the skills, he just hasn't done um, any contested work. But he will probably play. He'll get at least one practice game in before the season starts. Um, so then it's up to, as he, you know, our deliberation will be as he played enough footy to to pick him in round one. Um, so that's Barry. Uh, Dev Robertson had a uh, scaphoid injury that he was. Well, he didn't tell us he had a sore wrist, but when the season was over, he told us. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Smart boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out he had a scaffold injury. That was a, a bit of a bit of a decent exercise, and it did. And there's slow healing things because there's not a great blood flow to those areas. And um, uh, so I think he might have been pushing himself a little bit too hard, and had to uh, we had to sort of pull him back and say you're going to have to have a few more weeks in the in the brace because it wasn't healing all that well. Um, but again, he's been able to run, he's been able to do skill work, he just hasn't been able to do competitive stuff, um, and he's another one that's not too far away from playing. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask
0: you a bit about Devon and Kai Loman as well, because at stages last year, the speculation would have had it that both of them, fringe players, battling to get into the best team, were offered reasonable contracts to go to their home states, and both of them opted to stay in Brisbane and fight out for a spot on the list. It's almost the polar opposite to what happened when you joined the club where players oh. who were getting opportunities and money in Brisbane were still leaving regardless. Um, can you just talk a little bit about both of their commitment to the club that, that mm. you saw in that and, and also what excites you about what, what they could both bring this year?
2: Yeah, so I'll be honest, I thought they were both going. Yeah, yeah. I, I did think that would happen. One of our challenges now is because we're a good team, there's some really good players that don't get don't get to play because I can't break into the team, unlike the early days when um, when I first turned up. Huey McCluggish turns up. You're in, son. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, <laughs> in you go. Bailey, in you go. Stasevich, <laughs> you're in. You know. um, they were so lucky, those boys. It, but in another way, incredibly resilient too because it's not easy to do what they did um, and hang in there when they're sort of trying to learn the hard way. But it's a little bit more challenging for us now and um, you get to... Good talented, good human beings like like Dev and and Kai and you know they're in and out and that can be a bit frustrating. So you know, and Dev with the pull of um, back to Perth where he comes from and the club that his um, uncle played at there um, in Glass was very tempting. Um, I don't know. I think this is true. So I'll tell you tell you what swung him and. It, it's probably a bit of a weird story, but on best and fairest night, uh, he was there with his, with his girlfriend and I think she had some sort of nut allergy and for some reason or other they didn't realise that in, in her food there were some nuts and she had one of those anaphylactic sort of yeah. reaction things and um, she was in not a good way and um, the club doctors were there and. Uh, they help fix her up and, and get her to hospital and so on and so forth, and that's the moment Dev Robertson decided to stay. Really? Well.
3: Wow. Yeah. wow. That's
2: amazing. <laughs> so he says. Have so you thanked the, the doctors he, for that? One of the things he well, I think he just thought, "Geez, this club's pretty good. You know, they look after you mm-hmm. well, and um, I don't really want to leave." So. Uh, so who was the oh, one, I one who think he, the nuts into he, her dinner? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who
0: <laughs> snuck the nuts into her dinner to set that up? <laughs>
2: no, and that was an accident, but um, it was just, that's how he felt, like, because yeah, wow. I, I, I think he was sort of, wasn't sure whether to stay or whether to go, and, and um, he just thought, no, this is a good club, I want to be here, so um, that was that's his story. That's an amazing story. Good on him. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's amazing. What about Kai? Because Kai really injures himself late in the season in the VFL. And all the talk is that Kai's going, you know, if you listen to Trey Radio, the Western Bulldogs yeah. have him almost signed. And then I think we were all a bit surprised when the news stories announced that Kai Lomans re-signed at the Lions. Tell us about,
2: about his situation. Yeah, well, there wasn't any sort of event um, like the Dev one, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, I had a meeting with him and his manager, um, or his management group, at my, my house. And, where we just talked about the future. I mean, he's, he's, he's probably, like a lot of young people, they're pretty impatient and want to be there yesterday. Um, and it was just a matter of sitting down with him and his management and having a chat about where he was at and where we saw him in the future. And yes, he was part of our plans. He's doing his apprenticeship at the moment. That's a little hard, but we've got great hope for him. Um, and. It was pretty soon after that conversation that he made the decision to stay, um, which I was really proud that he did. Like there, w- there were clubs into him and I think it was pretty right that one of those clubs was the Bulldogs. Um, so he would have been tempted because they always lay it on thick clubs when they want you. They'll tell you they're going to play in every game that you ever play and you'll never play in the reserves again and they'll say anything to get you there. Um, but he chose to tough it out and, and do it the hard way. I mean, he's an energizer, Kai. Um, he, um, he's very spontaneous in the way that he plays. He's a bit like Charlie in that way. Uh, he's got a tremendous... The difference between him and Charlie is that Charlie is all speed, no tank. Um, yeah. Kai, is, Kai is speed and tank. Yeah. He can really run. So he's got some capacity. Uh, he's coming along nicely. Um, he probably, if anything, he's probably guilty of trying to do too much um, rather than just doing basic things well. But I think he's learning, and as he matures, he become a really good player for us. But really glad that he stayed. And it was, you know, it was a mature decision by him to actually stick it out and try and make it at a really good club. You know, everyone can go and go to a club. Not that the Bulldogs are not a good club, but it, at all, they're a good club. But um, you know, sometimes. Um, it's easy to take the easy way out and go and to a place where you've been promised and it's, it's harder to stay at a place where it might be a challenge. Um, but those two boys have, so got to be grateful for that. You'd probably have to ask them the exact reasons, but that's my theory. We do treat them well. It should be. It. We want to make it hard for them to leave, you know
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> And we know that not everyone's going to stay because that's not realistic. That's not our game. But the harder we can make it for them to want to go, the better, I reckon.
1: I've got one more player to ask you about. On our podcast, phase, we've got a medal called the Raw Deal Medal. So we give three, two and one every, after every match. After every Lions match, me and Dom both vote three, two and one. So last year, the winner was Joe Danaher of our medal. He mm. came eighth in the club best and fairest. Are we that far off the mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, He was no. very close, though, in the, best, yeah, the club uh, best and fairest. It was a, mate, tight, uh, a tight count.
2: You know, it's always harder for key position players to yeah. poll well in best and fairest too. You know, um, so like for Ford to finish eighth, it's a bit like winning it, I reckon. In a in mm, a, in that's a, in what a we way, um, <laughs> but he was like, you know, if you if you talk about someone who's a huge influencer on our performance, Joe Danaher is one of those people. You know, he he had a great year last year. So pleased for him because he copped a lot of criticism. He was, and he was copping it earlier in the year because he had that.
1: Bulldogs, round the three. Bulldogs
2: game where people thought he didn't play too well, and he that was the lines, day I, at the press conference. I went, oh, "I just pick on, was this pick on Joe yes. Danaher a week? Is it? Because yeah. I got a bit feisty about that." But um, <laughs> no, it was great to see Joe do well and and, and enjoy his footy. Is he, he really enjoyed playing up here? I think feels a little bit less pressure in Brisbane than he did in Melbourne at Essendon, where his name is Danaher and there's no more famous a name. Uh, at Essen Footy Club than Danaher. So, uh, or maybe James Heard, but you know, like mm-hmm. Danaher's a, a big at Essen. So it's been great for Joey. Um, he's a different person. You just let him be who he is. I don't think you try and change him. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he's frustrating sometimes, isn't he? Is he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, like
2: okay, when we'll he elaborate. plays on in the goal square and kicks a point or something, you know. <laughs> And the siren just goes. He finds a way to do those sort of things sometimes. Look, even last week in the practice game, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like, you know, you're trying to get the boys to be aware of umpires and not give away fifties and things like that. And uh, Joey's, for some reason or other, was way down the back line. And uh, a ball got kicked over the back of him, and his great friend, Zach Bailey, marked it. And it's not like Zach, Zach outmarked him, it wasn't that, it's just... And so Joey just sort of gives him a cuddle and sort of, you know, they have a bit of a muck around. And the number, number 12 umpire, I think, Stevens, is it? He's the local boy, number
1: 12.
2: I his <laughs> nice name. Number 12. Number yeah. <laughs> 12? Uh, he um, paid a 50-metre penalty because <laughs> Joey, <laughs> <laughs> Joey held on to Zach for too long, which is technically correct, but yeah. if he knew the two characters, it was just <laughs> mucking around, right? So uh, yesterday, in the uh, we had a bit of a um, review of the game, just stuff that we learned, and I, I we had a, we gave away a few fifties on the night that resulted in goals, and I just said it's a good reminder, boys, about some of the rules, and, uh, and I said, and I showed that one. I said. You, Probably a bit unlucky, Joey. You know, you're just giving Zach a cuddle, weren't you? And he starts laughing, and he, yeah, that's what he was doing. Like he was just having a bit of fun with his teammate. But oh, Steve, oh, 50 metres. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, well, look, there's there's a
0: couple of quick fire ones I might jump through in a minute. But before we do that, one I want to ask you, Fags, when we had you on the podcast uh, previously in the old iteration, we'd have you on at the start of each year in the end, and you'd always talk with us about. Um, the sense of wanting to know that you were still bringing value and sort of a year-by-year re-evaluating of how much you had left in the tank and if it's still resonating. Um, Obviously, it's been an incredible run, and I think I speak on behalf of the people in the room. We'd love you to do another 10 to 15 years if you're up for it. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I think there is a centre in there for that. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But is it... Just get on social media and uh, send that through to the club. (laughs) Oh, um, <laughs> right, Greg letter That'll
0: be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting question because obviously we've seen, you know, and I think the, the example in the NRL is Wayne Bennett, who's still going strong and now looking at other clubs poaching him for another run. Do, do you, have you changed your mind on on how much of a long-term coach you'd like to be, or is it still a year-by-year thing for you? Um,
2: yeah, it's still, I, I was... My life I feel like I, whatever I do I want to be making a difference, and if I got the sense that I wasn't um, then that would be a sign for me that time's up um, you know I think coaching is a job of service and you 're and you're there to try and make others better and if you 're not actually getting that done, then it's probably time to to move aside having said that i don 't feel like that at the moment um, and I want to keep coaching the Lions for as long as I can and for as long as they want me and for as long as the players want me, and I don't really know how long that is. So um, all I know is I've got two more years at the moment um, and hope I can um, go a little bit longer, Um, but we'll just wait and see. I just want to stay in the moment, do the best job that I can every day, um, and and, and, yes, hopefully win a Premiership and all that (laughs) sort of stuff. But even that, for me, like I've been lucky. I've been involved in premierships. I want us to win the premiership because I want to see how everybody else carries on when they do. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. that's the best part of winning them. I reckon, just watching the reactions and the faces. And you know, we got a little bit of a sense of that um, when we won the preliminary finals. I don't know if you, I don't know if anyone here was down in the rooms after the game, but it was, uh, it was, um, it was emotional. I'll, I'm looking at. Mums and dads hugging their sons because their sons are going to play in the grand final next yes. week. And I was just sat back and watched all that. And um, you know, even my own my own brother was in there, and he comes over and gives me a hug. and He starts spawning his eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, brother! You know, <laughs> he did he did it in the grand final too. He was in the rooms after the game, and I, I was in the, having a quiet moment in the in the team meeting room. And he walks in and he starts. Blubber and I go. Just shut up, Grant. I've got to go and do. I've a- <laughs> got to go and do a press conference in a minute at the moment. I can't be emotional. Like, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, that's for me. That's that's the essence of it. It's all that human stuff and the, and the stories and the, you know, you, you, every one of those players has got a different story about how we got to play AFL footy and how we got interested in the game. And for some, it's been really easy. And for some, it's been really hard. And um, all that wells to the to the surface when you get yeah. to that grand final stage, and um, I think that's what keeps me going. I love all those love all those moments.
1: Do you want to go some quick fire, Dom?
0: Yeah, let's let's jump some quick fire ones. Fags, season twenty twenty four, still up in the box or back to the boundary line for you? Yeah, well, I was,
2: I think I'll be back up in the box, but there was some chit chat today about bench stuff and I'm like, it, sometimes as a coach you feel like it can help them more when you're down there and you're with them and you're in the trenches with them, you know, but I'll probably be up in the, in the box.
0: Probably. We love you on the boundary line. It makes it, it's fun viewing from a supporter <laughs> point of view. <laughs> it's fun viewing when you're on the, on the boundary line. You reckon? Yeah, 100%. 100%. We get
1: to see the emotion. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're not trying to hide in the coach's box and cover oh, your no. mouth and duck down <laughs> out of the shot. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm actually, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, my emotions are better when I'm on the on the bench because, like, I feel like I've got to sort of stay in control because the players are, I've got to work with the players, whereas in the box, like, you, you like you're caged up and you. <laughs> Sometimes it gets to you. Yeah. The well, I like that. Oh, a bit oh, of it. anticipation to see what happens
0: round one against Carlton. Where will you be? We'll wait and yep. find out. Yep. You got a quick fighter to, to throw in, Mike? At all? Well, about?
1: Uh, I've got. I've just got one. We had before we started tonight. This venue here has a little. Would you call it a green room? I don't know what yeah, the yep. little room is that Fags got to sit in for ten minutes. Now we didn't have anything for Fags, but I was just wondering if you were uh, you know a big <laughs> big um what's the word I'm looking for? Superstar, rock star. Superstar, rock star. What, what sort of things would you like in the green room? Like to right eat on. or to drink or
2: oh, bowl of Pringles chips or something like that? <laughs> <There> we, <go. laughs> <That's cool. laughs> we could have organised that Dom. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, we might not have organised anything. You know, we might not have organised anything, but I believe Mike Jane, one of our listeners, Jane, did bring a
1: gift for you. in the audience, and I'm blind, so I can't see where Jane is, but she want to, I'll present on her behalf.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Some
1: PK gum for Come the, the season 10. A couple of packets of PK. Thank
2: you. are <laughs> still a PK man? That'll um, probably last a half time in the first game, but. <laughs> <be laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great! Um, a few more quick. So, Buddy PK should sponsor me, Wrigleys. They should, because yeah. <laughs> I've given them a good run over the years. Put and, that on the uh, socials too. You know, somewhere. I actually got I, I got a package one day um, delivered to the, to the uh, um, when I, we were still at the Gabba, and there was a little package about this big, and some bloke had impo- impo- sent me this chewing gum that he'd imported from the USA. It was like special spearmint. Chewing gum um, um, that he sent to me as a gift. And who is it that gave me this? You, can I see you? Can you? Put your hand up. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. It's Very kind <laughs> gesture, very thoughtful. <laughs> and and um, this happens to me a lot. I, people give me <laughs> this <laughs> <well>. That's great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty oh, cool. It's well, it's there really you go. and you know, the only time I chew gum is at a game. I don't chew it during the week. <laughs> really? I don't. Is It a Oh, there's more oh, PK really? here at the front. There we go.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's if... eight packets.
1: <laughs> so I'll get you through round might, one.
2: Oh, I might get halfway through the second game.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you that's think that's good. a stress relief, or what do you think that is? It must be. Yeah, I guess. It's
2: just like a habit.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: You can't like, light up a smoke, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever smoked in my life, but, um, uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. you sort so so. <laughs> of, my, my wife's very embarrassed about the way I chew gum.
1: Oh, really? She doesn't like it. Too aggressive?
2: Well, so she thinks, and... <laughs> She, I don't know why she doesn't like it. She just doesn't think it's not classy or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of habits, fags, I did see you in the green room as well. Uh, have you got a bit of a Wordle addiction? Are you one of the Wordle players every day?
2: Yeah, I play against my wife every day. Um, <laughs> you know, she'll send me. She sent me a text. earlier got Wordle in three today. Just like, ah, oh, three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it in two, you know. Then, then I can't get it in two. So, I'll, at the moment, I didn't get it in two, and I'm too scared to sort of I'll see commit many, to I'll see a How word. many? I took
1: today? Hey? I'm a big wordle fan. Yes? <laughs> oh, I smash wordle. Don't worry. I,
2: I actually, I've, the last hundred times I've played wordle, I, I've got it within six. So I haven't failed. Yeah, yep. for a while. Got a good streak
1: going, haven't you? Yep. Yeah. I'll see. Dom's got another question. Obviously, yeah, we are still doing to the that.
0: podcast here. Everybody, <laughs> you, you, keep, you keep going while I check Wordle. Well, okay, a few more quick ones. Uh, Logan Morris. Odds are playing round one. It's it's
2: increasing, isn't it? Oh come on, the poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You want to interview him this week, didn't you? I got told for our podcast. He's played one good game, and you, <laughs> and we you want, want the fans to, to meet and Logan you want Morgan to turn Morris. him into a superstar and give him a big head yeah. before I can't he's ready.
1: Turn it. <laughs> Um, we just want to introduce him to our loyal fans, that's
2: all. I'll tell you, I, I will say this, I haven't seen a young kid kick five goals in an intra-club practice match before against, he was the, in the, the B-team forward line against the A-grade yeah. back line, um, so that was a great effort and, and he did it in a, like it was pretty impressive the way that he did it, I'll he give didn't. you that,
1: you would but I reckon copy, this then. week
2: when he lines up on that A-team back line, again, because I'm not putting him in the A-team, he might find it a bit harder to get a kick this might week. be happening again.
1: They'll be on to him, I reckon. Be a good test for him, won't it? Yeah, Good it will. early test. Yeah. If he kicks five
2: again, then he might be... Yeah. If he kicks five again, I'll, I'll have to concede to you two that he's his chance. <laughs> <laughs> but it all depends on whether we want to play three tall forwards or... <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, uh, and Wordle took me three today. So there you we go. Have three. I, I, I haven't finished
2: three. it yet. I'm sitting on it. I'm just hoping something <laughs>
1: comes into my mind. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow and comparing notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, as we sit here at Fags, it's three weeks and one day till round one at the Gabba oh, against God. Carlton. I just saw stress hit your face as
3: I mentioned
2: that. <laughs> it's ages you, away. away. This, time this is, you, is the last time you'll see me having fun for about the ten months. <Yeah>.
0: We have often joked on the podcast, when we get you on after the season, you would be like this, lighthearted and jovial. The week before the season, you felt like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders. Ah. Does, has that set in yet, or do you have excitement about the year ahead? Sorry, that was... Okay. Has the, sort of the pressure and the anxiety set in yet, or is it excitement as you think about uh, three weeks I'm, in a day? I'm away?
2: looking forward to the year to see what we can, what we can do. Um, you, yeah, you do, you, do, you do know pressure's coming, like... Um, You know when you're a coach there's uh you're very public in what you do um if the team goes well it's it's pleasant if the team goes not very well it's bloody hard and you've got to front up and tell your story at press conferences post game and pre the the next game and um you know when you lose a few in a row the pressure builds and all those sorts of things so as a coach you're sort of hoping you're going to have one of those years that Everything's pretty good, but you know that's probably unlikely. You know, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a roller coaster ride. We've been very fortunate the last five years that it hasn't been too much of a roller coaster ride. We've been very consistent team. We've I think we've won more games than any other teams won over that the course of that time. We just haven't been able to get a bit of silverware. But I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to do that. We show up, you know, better than any other team does. So hopefully, hopefully, we can keep that that going. Um, I think you just, get, you just get used to the pressure. You know that it's coming and you just deal with it the best that you can. Uh, probably my, my Ks will probably go up, I'll walk more, chew more gum on game day, um, <laughs> sleep less. It's amazing how you can't sleep after a game. That's the thing that never ceases to amaze me. Especially those night games, you know, I you, you, you come home and have a glass of wine and I think, that'll put me to sleep and you, you, you can cuss for about three or four hours and then you wake up and you can't go back to sleep, no, whether you win or you lose. You're just mm-hmm. wired, yeah. and uh, and then Monday comes and you're dog tired because you haven't been able to get any sleep. So, um, but it's all it's so good. It's such a good industry to be involved with. It's such an honour to coach Brisbane. Uh, I probably I'd have to say I I enjoy just about every moment of it, particularly the stuff with the players, the inner sanctum stuff, um, and uh, yeah, just luckily be doing what I'm doing.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I think I speak on behalf of everyone in the room. I think from about uh, 6 p.m. on September 30th, we've all been waiting for March 8 to roll around and have another crack at it. And uh, we're so, so glad that you're our coach. Fags, thanks so much for joining thanks.
3: us.